0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church on this damp, grey Sunday. Welcome to this gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, a community that welcomes all those who walk through our doors. And welcome to this, our Easter Sunday service, this day on which Jesus is said to have risen from the dead, a day of celebration for Christians around the world. Now, as Unitarians, we are free to explore our own beliefs about the events of the Easter week narrative. And as human beings, we can all share in the hope and the promise that this time of year represents. We mark this day here by holding an Easter lunch for everyone after the service, so do join us for that. And if you're new to this place today, or a visitor, there is a space towards the end of the service where you are invited, if you wish, to introduce yourselves. So let's now take a moment to create this as a holy time, a holy time and a holy place for us to share together this morning. We can do this by being present, present in this present moment. Aware of the world outside, but willing perhaps to let it go for a while. Aware of ourselves and the concerns of our everyday lives, yet willing to put them on one side, so that we might perhaps be aware of something greater than ourselves. Whatever name we give to this, be it spirit, be it love, be it the divine we can create this as a holy time and a holy place by being aware of ourselves and of one another and the common humanity that connects us an awareness that can dissolve illusions of separation and isolation bringing instead a sense of connectedness with all that is. May this time that we spend together this morning be holy Blessed by the divine spirit of life and of love. We can give thanks this morning for life reborn. We can give thanks for joy that helps us to overcome loss and pain. We can give thanks for the earth as it blooms its renewal. We can give thanks for life's great potential. Contained in seed and in egg. And in all living things. And as a sign of that gratitude we can light a candle, this chalice flame, this symbol of our worldwide Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community. May it shine in gratitude.
1: This is a reading entitled To Be Worthy of Our Suffering. It comes from Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And it is written about his time in a concentration camp. Dostoevsky said once, there is only one thing that I dread, not to be worthy of my sufferings. These words frequently came to my mind after I became acquainted with those martyrs whose behavior in the concentration camp, whose suffering and death bore witness to the fact that the last inner freedom cannot be lost. It can be said that they were worthy of their sufferings. The way they bore their suffering was a genuine inner achievement. It is this spiritual freedom, which cannot be taken away, that makes life meaningful and purposeful. Do not think that these considerations are unworldly, and too far removed from real life. It is true that only a few people are capable of reaching such high moral standards. Of the prisoners, only a few kept their full inner liberty and obtained those values which their suffering afforded. But even one such example is sufficient proof that man's inner strength may rise him above his outward fate. Such men are not only in concentration camps. Everywhere man is confronted with fate, with the chance of achieving something through his own suffering. Like the story of a young woman whose death I witnessed in a concentration camp, it is a simple story. There is little to tell, and it may sound as if I had invented it, but to me it seems like a poem. This young woman knew that she would die in the next few days. But when I talked to her, she was cheerful in spite of this knowledge. I am grateful that fate has me so hard, she told me. In my former life, I was spoiled and did not take spiritual accomplishments seriously. Pointing through the window of the hut, she said, this tree here is the only friend I have in my loneliness. Through that window she could see just one branch of a chestnut tree and on the branch were two blossoms. I often talk to this tree, she said to me. I was startled and didn't quite know how to take her words. Was she delirious? Did she have occasional hallucinations? Anxiously, I asked her if the tree replied. Yes. What did it say to her? She answered, It said to me, I am here, I am here, I am life, eternal life.
0: Thank you, Tristan. I invite you now to join in a time of prayer and reflection as I call on the spirit of life and love that shines within each of us to be here with us now to illuminate this, our time of worship that insight and clarity may shine through us brightening our spirits and those all around us. We pray, though we may not feel sure who or what we pray to. Some speak of God or great mystery, of Lord or Goddess or the Divine. Some of us cannot put a name to something so vast and unknowable. Let us not be put off by this inability to name the nameless. Let us be able in quiet moments such as this to allow ourselves that time for reflection. Time to relate with something greater than ourselves. To relate with something that encourages us to be the best that we can possibly be and to make the most of this gift of life we've been given. And as we turn our attention to the wounded places in our world To people in the Kashmir region of Pakistan struggling to come to terms with the aftermath of the avalanche. To the people of Syria who are under attack yet again. To people everywhere living in extreme conditions. Hard to imagine for those who live in relative calm and plenty. Let us in shared silence now send our thoughts of love and concern. To all people and places that are hurting and despairing, that they might know hope once more. As all around us in the natural world, we see signs of new growth and renewal. May we too find within ourselves the strength to begin again in love. Each hour, each day, accepting that which is always willing to make a difference in our world. Amen. Many um, members and visitors here at Essex Church are are welcome to take the uh, fortnightly copies of the Inquirer newspaper, our Unitarian and Free Christian newspaper that comes out, sometimes with a cover, colour cover, and uh, it's in this Easter's edition that um, I found an article written by the Reverend Bill Darlison, if you don't know Bill I'm sorry, because he's one of those people that I'd like everybody to know, a character and a theologian of a quirky kind. And um, I, I was particularly impressed with this article. The person on that cross is you. It's my opinion, says Bill, that the stories in the Gospels are not historical narratives. Their principal function is not to tell us about the life of a man called Jesus of Nazareth, their stories about us, about what it means to be a human being. And this episode with the two thieves, which he's described earlier on, which looks like an afterthought, an almost pointless detail, is extraordinarily important. That the Gospel writers thought it important is proved by the fact that it's one of the few stories which appear in all four Gospels. The person on the cross is you. It is I. It is every man and every woman. Crucifixion is not just an archaic and barbaric punishment for a few unfortunate lawbreakers. It's a condition of life. Crucifixion is the perfect metaphor for the human situation because unlike most types of execution, it delivers a slow, lingering, painful death. And what's more, it takes place for all of us on Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull, an image of life stripped down to its skeletal essentials. We are all poised on the pain of the cross of life. None escape. All attempts to insulate ourselves from life's pains are fruitless. Even the rich and famous, even the super talented and super beautiful, even the spiritually advanced such as ourselves, suffer the pains of loss, of vulnerability, of mortality. And just like Jesus, each of us is crucified between two thieves one on the right and one on the left. The gospel text may not tell us their names, but it is clear about their position. And it specifies that they are thieves, not just any old criminals. They are thieves. And what do these thieves steal? They steal our life. They are the past and the future. The twin thieves of everyone's lives. I'm leaving it there. So you'll be tempted to pick up a copy of The Inquirer. In fact, there won't even be enough to go around. I may have to do photocopies. And find out more of how Bill explores that issue of how our lives are robbed by our pasts and by our futures. the start of the service uh, today I mentioned that we're having a congregational lunch um, a bring and share lunch there will be enough for everybody although quite how balanced a diet it will represent I'm not quite sure you are all invited anyway and it doesn't matter if you haven't brought anything there's always enough to go around now cooking is not my number one pastime so I won't demonstrate the particular culinary skill from which this title comes I saw it first on television a long time ago, and given that we have so many visitors from other lands today, I'm not sure if many of us will actually be able to remember Fanny Craddock. Any, any, oh yes, oh look, there's a few. Fanny. Annie Craddock, for those of you who haven't met her uh, on your TV screens, was a lot of fun. She was a larger-than-life character. She was one of the first of those personality chefs that we British seem to adore these days. And she made a big impression on me when she would deftly break an egg on um, the side of a bowl with one hand and and utter the immortal words, Take one egg. (laughs) you find that certain images stay with you, though you're not sure why. I think words and sayings sometimes are like that too, aren't they? An old friend of mine would often say when life got tough, Sarah, you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. I can almost hear her saying it now. It tells us. In a graphic way that life is hard at times, pain is inevitable, the very act of living in this world has consequences that are generally unavoidable. Things get broken. People are wounded, life hurts. This same friend was delighted one year on a holiday in France to hear a French cook make the same comment. I should have asked you, Harold, to uh, read this one out. On ne fait pas d'omelettes, en casse des oeufs. Oui, Whatever the language, these are universal messages, universal themes. And of course, it's one of the key themes of the Eastern narrative. Life is tough we humans suffer, yet out of suffering and despair new life can emerge. What a rich collection of themes there are to explore in those gospel accounts all speaking of this human condition. Here are just a few for us to consider. Do they speak to you and, and your experiences, I wonder? What about that triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem a week before his death? How many of us have experienced success in some way, only for it to turn to failure before we quite realise it's happening? How often do we think all is going well, only to realise subsequently we missed, perhaps, warning signs that there was trouble ahead? Or what about the role of Judas, caught up in a drama where he was given the role of baddie, essential to the plot, but destined to be cursed for all time as the one who betrayed his master and his friend. Not many people get to play that part, but in a smaller way, haven't most of us experienced times when we just cannot seem to do right, when life is pushing us into an unpleasant task that can't be avoided? And which of us can say that we have never felt despair in our life? Jesus' lonely moments in the dark, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when his friends cannot even stay awake and he weeps alone for what he knows is to come. This despair is part of our lives. It tells us that in our darkest moments, when we truly are alone, we are experiencing an emotion felt by others. Sometimes that simple sense of being on a path that others have walked may help ease that pain. And what is your reaction to Pontius Pilate and that cleft stick he finds himself in, charged with keeping the peace in a lonely outpost of the Roman Empire, allegedly in charge of the whole show, yet forced by the crowd and the canny religious leaders to take an action that he rather would not? Ordering that Jesus be crucified and the criminal freed? Haven't many of us at times been forced by circumstances to do something we think is wrong? Unable to find the courage to speak against the beliefs of the majority? Oh, and that symbolic washing of his hands. Could he have any understanding that the events of that Passover feast would resound through the centuries that he could never, never escape responsibility for what was to come. The Eastern narrative speaks much of human hopes and fears, strengths and weaknesses. Do you remember Jesus' prediction that before the cock crowed twice, he'd be betrayed, not once, not twice, three times by his closest follower? Peter exclaims that such a thing could never be, and yet in the fear of the moment he does just that, denies that he's a friend of Jesus's and slinks away from the courtyard. It's a rare person that's not let a friend down at times. A rare person who's always managed to stand up for what they know to be right, whatever the likely consequences. We're fortunate if we live lives where our loyalty is not tested unto death in this way. And Jesus, the man, wearing his crown of thorns not wanting to die feeling forsaken on the cross wounded and in great pain mocked and spat upon uttering those words my lord why hast thou forsaken me why not not? this is the despair (sighs) this is life these are just a few of the great themes that Easter brings to our world Themes expressed in art and literature and music, some of the foundation stones of our culture, the most important festival of the Christian year. We won't be able to shop in large supermarkets this afternoon because most of them will be shut in recognition of Easter's importance. I know this because I was in Marks and Spencers when a shop assistant was asked why they would be shut by a bemused shopper. The assistant gave a brief explanation of Britain's complex laws on shop opening hours and the shopper replied that it was a bit weird and that she didn't think they'd shut last year but they were shut last year and in many European countries that are just as secular as ours all retail opportunities are removed on this day all shops firmly shut. I hope I hope that our culture doesn't lose its religious foundation stones because whatever our religious and spiritual beliefs, we need, I think, narratives that connect us to one another and to those themes of pain, despair, cruelty, betrayal, sacrifice and submission, love and rebirth. We cannot know what happened thousands of years ago in a dusty and turbulent outpost of the Roman Empire. But we can look at the history of the last 2,000 years and wonder at the powerful influence this event has had on us all and on the history of our world. As Unitarians, we're free to create Easter's meaning and significance for ourselves. Many of us find strength in more earth-centred explorations of its message of death and rebirth. We find comfort perhaps in understanding that the early Christian church incorporated earlier pagan practices into its own celebrations, not least of which the eggs that we have there before us, that remind us of life's infinite potential, of the life force that just cannot be kept down. Take one egg, and you have all the potential of creativity and growth and new life. Take one egg. And you know just how fragile and precious life is. That is both our gift and our responsibility. When we hear song all around us, when we see leaves appearing on the trees, flowers in the gardens, when we feel the increasing strength of the sun and notice the longer days, there's something universal in that word of praise. Hallelujah. Thank goodness. Thank God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I hope that in the midst of life's demands, I remember that it's good to find reason to give thanks. Reason to give thanks. Even if it is just because you've managed at long last to crack an egg with one hand or managed to cook an omelette. Happy Easter to you all. Amen. May love walk with you. May its light and warmth touch your spirit, that you may be renewed. May the new life in the natural world, all around us, touch your heart and bring you joy. And so let us go well. Blessed be. Amen.